On the 14th of August, 2020, Greek and Turkish warships in the Eastern Mediterranean collided. What was deemed a minor incident prompted a virtual meeting of all 27 EU member states, and a statement was issued hinting at the possibility of sanctions in the future if Turkey failed to de-escalate. Turkey's foreign minister responded by saying, instead of indulging Greece and giving unconditional support, the EU should invite Athens to act with reason. As Turkey announced maritime training exercises in the Mediterranean, viewed in Europe as an aggressive move, France and Italy said they would also be heading into the waters for joint naval exercises with Greece and Cyprus. On the 2nd of September, U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo called for all parties involved to reduce tensions in the Eastern Mediterranean. You're listening to Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, Suleyman Hakimi, and this week, we're looking at rising tensions in the Eastern Mediterranean. To many people, the Mediterranean conjures images of temperate weather, idyllic holidays, and an abundance of history and culture. So why are confrontational naval exercises happening there? At the beginning of the decade, Israel made a huge discovery of offshore gas and some oil in the eastern Mediterranean. Since then, countries in the region have been very aware of the huge resources that have been lying at their feet, the potential for billions of dollars worth of revenue. We spoke to Dr. Carol Nachle, the founder and CEO of the energy consultancy Crystal Energy. But the whole focus on Eastern Mediterranean started in 2009 and 2010 when Israel hit then what was described as the largest gas discoveries in that decade. And they were the Tamar field first and the Leviathan field. The U.S. Geological Survey published a study on the Eastern Mediterranean, on the Levant Basin, which covers, which encompasses Israel, of course, the Palestinian territory, uh, Cyprus, going all the way up north to, to Syria, and of course, including Lebanon. So they published also a study uh, giving estimates about potential gas resources in the region. The majority of gas discoveries in the Mediterranean have been made by Israel, but three discoveries were made off the coast of Cyprus in 2011, 2018, and 2019. When Cyprus announced in 2011 that a U.S. firm was to start exploratory drilling in the region, Turkey warned that the move could upset peace talks between it and Cyprus. The Cyprus talks took place between 2008 to 2012, but were ultimately unsuccessful in resolving what is known as the Cyprus dispute, an issue that goes back decades. Cyprus plays a central role in, when it comes to the uh, relationship with Turkey because of northern, uh, northern Cyprus, um, which is recognized only by Turkey. And this has been going on for decades since the 1970s. And at the beginning of the discoveries of Eastern Mediterranean um, gas uh, reserves, some hope that um, the economic benefits would uh, entice the countries in question to uh, overcome their political differences and reach an agreement. And at some point, I think a few years ago, people were th saying that Turkey and Cyprus were very close to signing a peace deal. But again, this did not happen. The dispute over Cyprus is between the Greek Cypriots and Turkish Cypriots on the island. Although the roots of the conflict are more ancient, the crux of the current issue is the 1974 Greece-backed coup, followed by a Turkish invasion. Cyprus has been split by a UN demilitarized zone. The northern third of the island is occupied by the Turkish military, and within it live mostly ethnic Turkish Cypriots. 
but only Turkey recognizes the Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus. The international community recognizes the Republic of Cyprus, despite Turkish Cypriots unilaterally declaring their independence in 1983. The south of the island is home to the Greek Cypriot majority. Although the dispute has been ongoing, the potential of billions of dollars worth of gas along contested territory is easily enough to exacerbate these tensions. So now, Turkey, Greece, and the Republic of Cyprus are all looking for gas in the Mediterranean and want to protect what they each see as rightfully theirs. But what belongs to whom isn't always an easy question to answer. Along with the disputed land territory of northern Cyprus, there is also the issue of disputed territorial waters. And this is where things get technical, involving international maritime law. Who owns what part of the Mediterranean around Cyprus? But also, what about the Greek islands scattered along the Turkish coast? Who owns the waters there? Here's Mithat Rande, a former Turkish ambassador. We should also recall that Turkey is a persistent objector. It has always been uh, an objector. So it's qualified as persistent objector to the United Nations Law of the Sea Convention. The United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea is an international agreement that sets out maritime law for its signatories. An important aspect of this agreement involves EEZs, or Exclusive Economic Zones. These zones give a sovereign state rights and jurisdiction up to 200 nautical miles for the purpose of exploring and exploiting, conserving and managing natural resources. Here's Mithat Rande again. According to the Law of the Sea Convention, of course, uh, islands, uh, islands should, should have exclusive economic zones. But uh, again, uh, on the same issue, when it is a semi-enclosed sea, and when the islands are so closed to the main, the, cost, the, the, main, the continental land of the other country, for example, you have, there, there are uh, many, many islands uh, very close to the t Turkish coast, uh, uh, an island belonged to, belong to Greece, and uh, you cannot claim that each island will have uh, uh, an exclusive economic zone or an exclusive maritime zone beyond its territorial waters. So uh, th this, is, this is basically the Turkish argument. And this is why the waters and any potential gas found there are disputed. But the UN Convention allows that any disputes on the matter must be, quote, resolved on the basis of equity and in light of all relevant circumstances, taking into account the respective importance of the interests involved to the parties as well as to the international community as a whole. But resolution does not look like it's in the cards. The potential to build alliances could bring huge benefits to all the countries in the Mediterranean. But with the region's political history, this is a challenging prospect. In January 2019, Egypt, Cyprus, Greece, Israel, Italy, Jordan, and the Palestinian Authority met in Cairo to discuss the establishment of the Eastern Mediterranean Gas Forum, or EMGF. Turkey, Syria, and Lebanon were not part of the forum, although the countries involved have said they are open to other countries joining. Dr. Carol Nahle. The um, EMGF is interesting because it, you know, the, the players in the region are trying to create a, um, the perception of uh, cooperation in the region. However, it's not just this kind of cooperation, but any other attempts in the region would have excluded always one, at least one player. Because it's very hard to imagine, for example, Lebanon and Israel sitting around the table and discussing cooperation. 
the same thing one can say of Turkey, Northern Cyprus, Cyprus and Greece because of the animosity between these countries, which dates back to decades. So the interest there, I mean, if you look at the economic cooperation, I don't think it's strong enough to overcome the political uh, fragmentation in the region. So that's why any kind of cooperation in the Eastern Mediterranean will exclude at least one player from the negotiation. So now there are competing claims and counterclaims, as well as deals being done between countries that don't marry up with the claims of others. In short, in December 2019, Turkey signed a deal with Libya to create an exclusive economic zone from Turkey's southern Mediterranean shore to Libya's northeast coast, with little heed paid to Greek and Cypriot exclusive economic zones or the Greek islands in the region. In January 2020, Israel, Greece, and Cyprus signed an accord for the Eastern Mediterranean Pipeline, a deal that bypasses Turkey and plans to provide Europe with 10% of its natural gas. In early August, Greece and Egypt signed a maritime deal in which Greece intended to validate its island's rights to an exclusive economic zone. On August the 21st, just a week after the minor collision in the Mediterranean, Turkey announced its biggest natural gas discovery in the Black Sea, which President Recep Tayyip Erdogan said was part of an even bigger reserve and could come on stream as soon as 2023. This is in the midst of naval posturing in the Mediterranean by multiple parties and the EU's increasing threats of sanctions against Turkey. Dr. Spiros Economides, Associate Professor in International Relations and European Politics at the London School of Economics, explains what options are on the table. Greece is a signatory to the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea. So it's signed up to all the international law of the sea. Uh, Turkey is not. Uh, the Greek position is that it has a right to extend its territorial waters to 12 miles. It has not done so because if it did so, its island territorial waters would intrude right up the Turkish coastline. Uh, Turkey has said that if Greece does this, this is a casus belli, a cause for war. So it's not exactly the case that Greece has extended its territorial waters. What is annoying Turkey more than anything else is that it itself signed a special agreement with Libya extending its economic zone, its uh, exclusive economic zone. And Greece did something similarly with Egypt, which cuts across that. And in this respect, the squabbling over hydrocarbons has resulted in yet another argument over the international law of the sea, which Turkey has not signed up to. So this is a, a significant problem, which cannot be resolved simply uh, by shouting at each other. There is a way out of this, go to court, but the Turkish side does not want to do this. Ambassador Mithat Rande says that Turkey's sentiment is that it is being treated unfairly. The Turkish people in general, they believe that they, are, they have been mistreated, that, uh, that uh, the Greeks uh, are the L'enfant gâté of Europe, as usual. Uh, and uh, you know what L'enfant gâté is? Uh, the spoiled boys uh, of, 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 of Europe. Uh, and then, uh, and then uh, that the European Union is playing uh, into the hands of the Greeks. Uh, and it's a, it's a bad game. Uh, and, uh, and it hasn't changed uh, for, for centuries. So they, now many, many uh, writers and, uh, and columnists, uh, highly regarded columnists, are writing uh, about it. Uh, this is why I said nationalism breeds nationalism. It's not good. So... Uh, if, if, if the Greeks would uh, stoke nationalism and uh, anti-Turkish sentiments, 
they will be breeding Turkish nationalism, which is not in the interest of anybody here in, in, in our geography. But Dr. Spiros Economides feels that Greece has the law on its side. I think Greece has, for once in a long time, actually stepped up to the geopolitical plate and said, well, we do believe we have law on our side. Uh, we do believe the international law uh, of the sea especially validates our position. But at the same time, we understand that striking alliances with other countries in the region who, say, who share our interests and concerns uh, could make our position more powerful. So the relationship with Egypt is of significance in this respect. Uh, the relationship with Israel is increasingly significant with, uh, with respect to what is happening in the East Mediterranean. And all these agreements that are struck, whether they're commercial, political, to do with the law of the sea, uh, annoy Turkey. They annoy Turkey because it shows that uh, Greece is playing not only uh, the, the, the card of the European Union and the right of law, but also striking geopolitical balances which really do upset uh, Turkish uh, positions in the region. And what rights does Dr. Economides think Turkey has under international law? Well, I think it's fair to say that um, Turkey has got some rights to uh, explore and um, benefit from hydrocarbon reserves in the eastern Mediterranean where it has legal jurisdiction. Uh, but we also know that the international law uh, is a law which is self-policing. And any state uh, can take whatever measures it wants and thinks it can get away with if it doesn't think other states will interfere, if it doesn't think other states will try and somehow drag it into line. So, of course, Turkey has rights, but it cannot abuse the rights of others as no other should abuse its rights. And this is where the game becomes complicated, because on the one hand, you want to stick to international law. On the other hand, you want to show that you are potentially militarily very strong and can take unilateral action. And this is what Turkey is partly doing. Ambassador Rande says he wants Turkey to get a fair deal. The European Union hasn't been uh, uh, a fair uh, and honest broker, I'm afraid to say. Uh, so uh, probably uh, one should, should, should be able to convince uh, our Greek friends and allies, uh, because we are all NATO allies and, uh, and we are covered by the same protection umbrella. Uh, so. Uh, they should change their mindset. They should, they should engage with Turkey and, uh, and try to find a common denominator. But what we expect is to have, to protect our, uh, our national interests and, uh, and, and to have a fair, a, a fair deal. A fair, a fair deal, the deal, if it's not fair, it won't be lasting. You see, there are so many examples. Uh, just imagine what happened uh, to, between Iraq and Iran when, uh, when there was no fair deal in 1975 during in the agreement, when the agreement was signed in Algeria. Uh, so it was not a fair one. Uh, the Iranians dictated the conditions uh, upon Iraq. And then, of course, it was not a lasting solution. As the tensions continue to rise and countries act in their own national interests without any solid steps towards a diplomatic solution, is there a danger of matters escalating to violence? Ambassador Rande thinks this is a possibility. The navies of, of many countries are, are, are uh, conducting exercises. They are moving uh, uh, back and forth. Uh, some of them are, are, are trying to harass uh, uh, the Turkish uh, uh, seismic survey vessels uh, or, or the deep sea drilling vessels. Uh, in fact, recently, uh, six, uh, six Greek fighters 
they took off from Crete and, uh, and tried to approach uh, our seismic survey vessels. And they were intercepted by, uh, by, Turkish, by, by Turkish fighters. Uh, if, for example, one of the, uh, one of the countries would lose uh, one of the assets, uh, an important asset, and then the other side would overreact. So uh, it's not a pleasant situation. It should be uh, avoided uh, in the Eastern Mediterranean. And, uh, and, and this is why uh, all, all, all parties should show restraint, should act with, uh, with caution. And Dr. Economides agrees. Unfortunately, there's always a possibility of actual violence taking place, if not by design, then by accident. There is always possibilities of accidental war happening as a result of coming together of aircraft and, and, and warships. But there is one thing that I think ought to be clear here, and I think this is something that's worrying Turkey quite a lot, is that increasingly many other European states and EU partners of Greece are taking the Greek view that this is primarily a legal issue. And it's a legal issue on which um, Turkey happens to be on the wrong side. And if you are going to resolve this particular issue, the legal consequences of breaking international law should not be uh, deflected by whatever military action you want to take. And this is where Greece and Turkey never see eye to eye. One side says, let's talk law. The other side says, let's talk power. And of course, Greece right now is trying to line up all its allies and partners in the EU to say, you may be militarily more powerful, but we and our partners have the law on our side and we're much more powerful defending that law. And this leads to an impasse. As Greece looks to its allies and to international law, Turkey abstains from putting faith in institutions that it feels have historically treated it unfairly. Such an impasse is not easy to overcome. Although the economic gains of gas are a huge motivator, Dr. Carol Nachle believes that political concerns are proving to be stronger than economic interests, much to the loss of the parties involved. A region where the neighbors get on well with each other, then you would have seen a much rapid development of the discoveries and perhaps more discoveries made and whereby you have the regions collaborating to build a pipeline with the cheapest option would have been for, for example, Israel and Cyprus bringing perhaps their gas to Lebanon and Lebanon exporting it to Syria via Turkey and then getting it to Turkey and then uh, uh, reaching the European Union. That would have been a quite straightforward option compared to what is being discussed today. However, because of the political fragmentation of Eastern Mediterranean, and because of the anonymity, which dates back to decades between the countries in question, we're going to see much more complicated options being discussed, but unfortunately, few will lead to fruition. So we're going to see some projects announced, but I doubt they would be pursued and finalized under existing political fragmentation between the countries and Eastern Mediterranean. You've been listening to Beyond the Headlines. I've been your host, Suleiman Hakimi. Thanks this week to Dr. Carol Nachle, Dr. Spiros Economides, and Ambassador Mithat Rande. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. And if you can spare a minute, we would really appreciate a review. This episode was produced by Aisha Khan and Arthur Edison.